1: From MVP Think Radio, this is the original Southern Remedy, where the doctors are always in. I'm Dr. Jeremy Jackson, Assistant Professor of Dermatology and Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Today's show is about the skin. It's the largest organ on the body, and we're going to talk a lot about it. I have a guest, Dr. Lauren Craig, one of our chief residents with us today. So we're excited about your calls. Please share your questions with us this morning by calling 1-877-MPB-RING. That's one 877 672 7464 or send an email to southern remedy at org. this is southern remedy from mpb think radio
2: live from npr news in washington i'm windsor johnston A gunman is now dead, hours after opening fire on congressional Republicans and staff holding a baseball practice in Alexandria, Virginia. Two federal law enforcement sources confirm to NPR's Carrie Johnson that the gunman's name is James T. Hodgkinson's of Bellevue, Illinois. At least five people were wounded in the shooting. NPR's Don Gagne reports House Majority Whip Steve Scalise was shot during the incident and is now out of surgery.
0: Congressman Steve Scalise, the majority whip, was on the infield when he was shot in the hip. His staff says he's in stable condition. His wound's not life-threatening. Others on the field ran for cover. The attacker fired 50 or more shots, according to witnesses. Capitol Police on the scene, as part of Scalise's security detail, returned fire wounding the suspect. Two of those officers were wounded. Their injuries are not life-threatening, according to Capitol Police. Witnesses also describe injuries to a pair of Congressional staffers, one of them posted on Facebook that he was shot but is okay. Police say they're exploring all angles but won't discuss possible motives. Don Gagne, NPR News.
2: President Trump is responding to the attack. He spoke from the White House just a short time ago, commending the swift response of the Capitol Police.
3: Many lives would have been lost if not for the heroic actions of the two Capitol Police officers who took down the gunman despite sustaining gunshot wounds during a very, very brutal assault.
2: The president has spoken to Congressman Steve Scalise's wife and chief of staff, as well as House Speaker Paul Ryan and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. Federal Reserve policymakers are widely expected to raise short-term interest rates by a quarter of a point later today, and PR's Yuki Noguchi reports. Fed officials last lifted the benchmark interest rate by a quarter point back in March and indicated there will be two more rate increases this year, though the timing was left unclear. With unemployment at its lowest point in a decade and inflation low, the Fed has said it intends to unwind the economic stimulus it began during the Great Recession to try to boost investment and spending. Fed Chair Janet Yellen will hold a news conference following the 2 p.m. announcement. Investors will be watching closely for clues on the Fed's plans for future rate hikes. Yuki Noguchi, NPR News. Washington. Jury deliberations are continuing for a third day in the sexual assault trial of Bill Cosby. The jury spent nearly 10 hours going through the evidence yesterday before calling it a night. The 79-year-old actor-comedian is accused of assaulting and drugging a woman in his suburban Philadelphia home in 2004. Cosby, who chose not to testify, says the encounter was consensual. On Wall Street, the Dow was up nine points, the Nasdaq Composite down two, the S&P 500, down one. This is NPR News in Washington. The World Bank and the African Development Bank are pledging hundreds of millions of dollars to deal with a growing food crisis in the Horn of Africa. NPR's Jason Bobian says a record 26 million people are facing severe food shortages there.
0: Emergency food rations for nearly 8 million people in Ethiopia are about to run out in July. Somalia is on the verge of a famine, and South Sudan's protracted civil war has left millions of people dependent on dwindling foreign aid to survive. Representatives from the African Development Bank and the World Bank say that a drought in the Horn of Africa has caused crops to fail. On top of that, armed conflict has driven millions of people in the region from their homes. Officials with the U.N. say the confluence of these two crises is pushing humanitarian groups' resources to the limit. The development banks plan to pump more than a billion dollars into the region to deal with the severe food shortages. Jason Bobien NPR News.
2: There's still no word on what sparked a deadly fire at a public high-rise building in London. At least six people are dead and dozens of others were injured. Eyewitness Samira Lamrani says she saw a woman desperately trying to save a baby by throwing the child out of a window.
1: A lady appeared at the window gesturing, body language from what she was saying. I'm about to throw my baby. Please catch the baby. And the baby, I think, was wrapped in some sort of... Um, bedsheet uh, blanket and she threw the baby as the baby
2: came down and this was about approximately from the ninth or tenth floor. Um, a member of the public, a gentleman, ran forward and miraculously um, helped grabbed the baby. Fire crews are still searching the building for survivors. This is NPR News in Washington.
0: Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other
1: contributors include HomeAdvisor, matching homeowners with background-checked professionals for a variety of home projects, from minor repairs to major remodels. Homeowners can read reviews, compare prices, and book appointments online at HomeAdvisor.com.
4: You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at one 877 mpb Ring. That's 1 877 672 7464. You can always email your comments and questions to Southern Remedy at MPBOnline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
1: back with Southern Remedy. This is Dr. Jeremy Jackson filling in for Dr. Rick today. Uh, a little about myself. I'm a dermatologist at the University of Mississippi Medical Center uh, after a, a Mississippi State undergrad and then med school at University of Mississippi. I now practice here in Jackson. I'm uh, thankful to have a guest today with us, uh, Dr. Lauren Craig. She comes to us originally from uh, Virginia. Lauren, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself.
5: Thank you so much for having me today. Um, So I'm originally from Virginia, like Dr. Jackson said. Um, I did my undergraduate at the University of Virginia, and then I went to medical school at George Washington University in DC, and then I came down south for my residency. I'm about to finish up in about two weeks, and then I'll go back up to DC.
1: Yeah, so we have about two more weeks, and Dr. Craig will be heading to DC, and she is uh, will have a great practice there. And we were talking a bit about this time of year, um, about it's time for the swimming pool season, it's time for the beach, for the lake. And a lot of questions we get about sunscreens and about uh, what's important to look for, what's important for uh, to look for the product for good sun protection this time of year. What are some things you recommend, Dr. Craig?
5: Yeah, so um, I get this question all the time. There's so many products at the drugstores and people often get confused. Um, I think the first thing I always tell my friends and my patients is to look for an SPF of 30 or higher. Um, A lot of people think that the higher you go, the more sun protection you have. But actually, as long as you're at 30, um, you're usually pretty good. Um, The one thing I always tell people as well is to look for something that, um, you know, has more of the physical blockers like titanium um, and zinc. Um, A lot of people are concerned about the chemicals absorbing into their skin. And um, the best way to avoid that is to look for something that's more of a physical blocker. The other thing that's really important to keep in mind with sunscreen is that it doesn't work all day. You have to reapply it. Um, I typically tell patients about an hour and a half is good, um, and then during that peak sun exposure time, so between the hours of ten and two, um, you really want to try to avoid the sun altogether if possible. So that means seeking shade, um, being indoors. If you do have to be outside, you want to try to find an umbrella, a broad rim hat, or even some SPF um, protective clothing like uh, surf guards. I
1: have a lot of, uh, of golfers. That I take care of, and I tell them they they don't they put it on to start the round, but I tell them at the turn, which is usually an hour and a half or two hours into their golf round. Is a good time to reapply when they take that turn after nine. They take a break. They get a refreshment. Is to reapply that sunscreen, and that that'll give them that protection. I think that's a a, a fault a lot of of our people and patients do. Is they don't reapply because they they put it on. But if you're out de- outdoors for eight hours, it's only going to be effective for a couple.
5: Right, and a lot of people get frustrated because they come in with burns and they're like, I don't understand what happened. I I put my sunscreen on, but it really isn't effective after about you know one and a half to two hours.
1: Well, we're gonna we're gonna go to the phones again. The number we are go to Larry in Georgia. The phone number again is one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Larry in Georgia, are you with us?
0: I am. Good morning. Can you hear me? Okay.
1: We can hear you great. What's your question, Larry?
0: Okay. Well, here here's the background. I'm 68 years young. I I have um non hops lymphoma, and one of the effects of the of the, of the lymphoma. And' so I itch um, and I was just wondering is any topical medication anything I could do to, to alleviate that it's, it's like it's like having poison ivy you know, but not
4: having poison ivy.
1: yeah, yeah Larry, that's a a very common problem, particularly uh, for people with lymphoma. That is one of the symptoms uh, besides yeah. weight loss and sweats is actually itching, and it is a very, very debilitating and frustrating. I tell patients all the time who itch, nobody really appreciates, but itch is just as bad as pain often. It is so uh, tough, but it is hard. So certainly treating the underlying lymphoma can help with the itch. But itching is a problem not only for lymphoma patients. it's, It's a common complaint that dermatologists see. And I'll be quite honest, we don't do a great job and our options aren't great for there's no great itch peel. But we do have a few recommendations uh, from a pill standpoint, things like Benadryl or uh, some prescription medicines that can help itch. But they're not perfect. But then some, there's some topical things. What are some topical things you recommend, Dr. Craig? Yeah,
5: so I really like Sarna lotion. Um, it has kind of like a, a cooling sensation. A lot of times I'll also tell patients to store it in the refrigerator, which kind of adds to that cooling Um it's kind of been proven that the same the same fibers that transmit itch also transmit temperature. So you can sort of t- sometimes trick the itch receptors by um, applying ice packs or some sort of a cold cream to at least give you some temporary relief that doesn't have a lot of side effects.
1: And, okay. and th- go and ahead.
5: I'm sorry, can you repeat that medication oh, again? Oh, Sarna.
1: Sarna, S-A-R-N-A, and that's over-the-counter. It's sort of as a menthol, and if you refrigerate it, it tends to work a little better. And you can apply that more than two to three times as often as you need. There's no overuse of that. It's not a steroid, but it's a good product to start with. Sometimes you need a topical steroid, but really, Sarna is a good place to start. Another problem as we get older, we just, our skin gets drier and the medicines you're on, chemotherapies, different things like that can dry the skin. So just really moisturizing with a good moisturizing cream. There's a cream, another one I can recommend called CeraVe, C-E-R-A-V-E. And CeraVe is a, a cream that's a real good moisturizer that you can put on after you get out of the shower. And so I like the Sarna lotion with that CeraVe to really keep the moisture and to try to cut down. It may not take the itch totally away, but it usually makes it a little more bearable. But good luck with your treatment there, Larry. I Thank know a tough. Thank okay. you so much. All right. We're going to go back. we got another phone call here. Uh, again, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring And this, we're going to go to Billy in Oxford. You there, Billy?
3: Yes, I am. How are you all doing today? Doing great. Great. Well. I've uh, made my living out in the sun. I was the tennis coach up here at Ole Miss for over 30 years. And I've, I've got a couple of sunscreen questions that I wanted to ask. I heard you say that it needed to be reapplied after an hour and a half. Is that because it, it goes off your skin or it quits working?
1: Usually that's a good question. And I'm a Mississippi state bulldog. So I'll still help out my, my Oxford (laughs) uh, partners up there. But the, uh, the sunscreen, uh, there's some that are water resistant or water uh, that can, for, it'll stay on the, the the package for 80 minutes. In fact, they're not allowed to even say longer than that anymore. So there certainly is the wa- the part of sweating and things wearing off. The other right. thing is when they base. But
3: say, but say if you're in the sun and you're
1: not sweating. Right. So the SPF is based on how long it's for complicated with how long it takes beyond if you had nothing on how long it would take for you to burn so everybody's skin's a little different some are more pale skin some are darker skin right but if you have that on after the SPF, there's only so amount of time that, that ultraviolet light is still going to cause a burn without reapplying because you've exceeded the amount of time it's effective that you would get a burn. So the reapplication is, is more effective. So it, it loses some of its effectiveness. You naturally lose some of that with time, and you still sweat some of that off even without knowing it. But uh, you okay, really have to reapply it, it.
3: Because it seemed like that through the years... One of the most important things, and I, uh, I thought that it said this on most of the sunscreen packages, that you need to apply it 30 minutes before you're going out into the sun. Yeah. Well, and, and so if you're reapplying it when you're in the sun, it kind of defeats that purpose. Because the thing that I've found is that I don't know if it's being absorbed into your skin or what, but it does work much better if you put it on before you go out.
1: Right if you can put it on before you're in the sun it is going to be more effective. Now that's also more effective for uh, the chemical blockers uh, than the physical blockers. The zinc and titanium are physically blocking rays all- immediately. But the it, most most sunscreens have a chemical in them as well. But if you're if you're reapplying it early enough, you're still putting it on at that second application. You don't have to wait thirty. You can put it on while you're still having sun exposure. The initial first you definitely to put it on early would be a benefit to give it time to be to be good absorbed and into the skin. The re- okay. reapplication is a little less. We have to you don't have to come out of the sun for thirty minutes to reapply.
3: Right. All right. Now, uh, my next question is: This is in regard to uh, the stuff that's made that. The clothing that is actually made to uh, block the sun, the bad yeah, rays yeah, or whatever. Right. Okay. What is really the difference in those materials and regular materials? And the reason I say that is that, for example, I have a sock line where my feet are not getting. You know, my my where my socks are. I'm not getting tan. Okay. Yeah. And am I still going to be damaged there?
1: Well, natural clothing. All cotton clothing, let's just say natural cotton shirt or or pants, will have about an SPF of 10 or 15. They don't tell you that. They don't advertise it. But you do get some protection there. When they're wet, now this is if they get sweat or if you're in a pool with a T-shirt that gets wet, that goes down to about 5 or 10, cuts down a little bit. So you do get some sun protection uh, so that is true, but you don't. The fibers and the makeup of those UPF protection have they block and have been proven to block based on the, what they're made of a, a larger percentage of the of the sun rays.
3: How do you explain then that if you have a shirt on that is not uh, designed for sun protection, say it's a cotton shirt, that you uh, will a hundred percent have a tan line and you won't get tan?
1: Because not all the ultraviolet light is going to necessarily show up as erythema or as tan. You have different, you have ultraviolet A and ultraviolet B. Uh, Ultraviolet uh, B is the one that burns and causes the more skin cancer, but ultraviolet A, you get through your windshields of your side windshields of your car. So you get UVA, but you don't come out of the car looking sunburned from the side because it's a different type of ultraviolet light, but it still causes sun damage. So you are getting protection with a regular shirt, but then not having a shirt on. But you get more protection, and it's, and you get a longer protection with uh, with a higher UPF material. So you, it's not always ultraviolet light is always not just manifested in erythema and tan. There's other things that it can it can get through without showing it on the skin immediately, but it can have long term effects.
5: And UVA is the one that ages you, so that one's important to block too.
1: Yeah, I mean I I, I understand that. I'm just trying to figure
3: realistically if someone makes a living out in the sun, okay but they have clothes on all the time. Would they stand the chance of getting uh, cancer on parts of their body beside their face that's exposed?
1: Yes, you still yeah. This this risk would still be higher with lower protected clothing than the higher, but it's certainly protecting this. The normal sun, uh, normal uh, shirts will give some protection. But I I take care of patients all the time with skin cancers on their back where they did not have as much sun damage as their arms or their face, but they still get skin cancers there because they are still getting some exposure. All right, we'll take a break. Be back. With your calls, again, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring We have some lines open. Please give us a call or send an email to Remedy at mpbonline.org.
0: You count on MPB News for in-depth coverage of issues that matter to you. The state's ongoing opioid
4: epidemic. A bill to allow guns in churches.
0: The child welfare crisis. And the best radio newscast in the state. Those are just a few of the stories behind 10 new Associated Press Awards and another Edward R. Murrow Award. For the award-winning coverage you've
4: come to expect, count on us. We are MPB
0: News. We are MPB News. We are MPB News. We
4: are MPB News. We are
2: MPB News.
0: We are MPB News. News you can trust in
4: radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to Southern Remedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
1: Here on Southern Remedy, I'm Dr. Jeremy Jackson, filling in for Dr. Rick DeShazo. Again, give us your calls at one 877 We're going to go to the the phone lines. We have Keith in Carthage. We're going to go to, again, one eight seven seven mpb ring Are you there, Keith? Is this Philip? Is this Keith there? Keith, you hear me, on, Keith? I think Keith had his radio still oh, okay. turned up. Yes, hello.
4: Yeah, we uh, turned it down.
1: All right. Uh, well, we're here. This is Dr. Jeremy Jackson, Dr. Lauren Craig with you. How can we help you? What question do you have?
0: Uh, I, I, I hear a lot, you know, people are always afraid of sunburn,
3: but then I also hear you have to get sufficient sunlight so that your body will naturally generate vitamin D to help you absorb vitamin C and all the other calcium and all that stuff. So what's the sweet spot, huh? what's the line between getting enough sunlight to get vitamin D naturally uh, and getting a sunburn?
1: That's a good question, Keith, uh, and it is debated in, from with internal med, I'm also an internal medicine doctor, and, and we see vitamin D deficiency that we worry about. Particularly in the south, our, where we are close to located at the equator, we get natural sunlight with almost with 10 minutes of going and out of doors, you probably have enough vitamin D. Most people who are vitamin D deficient are indoors all the time and they're like shut-ins or patients who are, are in nursing homes, they are the higher risk for deficiency. deficiency. Particularly if you're uh, fair skinned and you're, you're, you tend to get enough without having to do a lot to send out for 10 or 20 minutes sunbathing. So we think the sun cancer risk is higher than the vitamin D deficiency risk. Because one thing you can do if you are vitamin D deficient, there are natural vitamins that replace that, which are safer than someone who's had skin cancer. I personally have had three skin cancers, so it's not worth the risk for me getting another skin cancer as long as I, I get enough sun in and out with my kids and activities. That, I, that I'm not vitamin D deficient. But it is something to watch for. But if you are deficient, you can get that uh, through supplements, and through the, And that's a safer way. So naturally in the south, honestly, we get enough. You don't have to be out in the sun intentionally to get that. They've shown that 10 minutes of sort of just in and out during the day of sun, you probably have enough where we're located. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks for the question, Keith. All right, we're going to go to uh, James and Natchez. James and Natchez, you there with us? yes all right glad to have you james what's your question
3: yeah, the question is i have uh skin tags and a kind of a scaly uh, warts that you can scratch them off but they keep reoccurring i'm in my mid 60s and uh i wondering if it was an over accounting remedy or something that would be good at removing those skin tags or would it be another method would be better
1: Good question, James. Uh, Skin tags are a nuisance for really almost everybody, particularly as we get older. Is there anything you recommend for that, Dr. Craig?
5: Um, You know, in clinic, we'll typically try to uh, remove the skin tags either by snipping them off or by using um, something called cryotherapy, which is a very cold spray. Um, Now, you were mentioning you were looking for something over the counter. They do make a a cold spray that's similar to the one we use in clinic but not quite as cold. Um, That may be a good place to start. The one thing to worry about with fat treatment is that it can sometimes leave behind a light mark or a dark mark um, depending on your skin tone. So you just want to be aware of that. One thing I would definitely not recommend is the floss method. You may have heard about this. Um, Some people will actually take a piece of floss and tie it around the base of the skin tag. While sometimes effective, because it cuts the blood circulation off, it can... um actually set you up for an infection in rare circumstances. So I would definitely avoid that. Um, and then in terms of the wart, uh, there's actually been a lot of studies recently about using duct tape. Um, so depending on the location of where it is, you can just apply a piece of duct tape um, every day, removing it at the end of the day. Um, if it's a more stubborn wart, sometimes it'll take up to two months. So with warts in general, you just need to be very persistent. A lot of them have um, kind of roots that go deeper into the skin than what you can see on the surface. So you, if you're going to do the freezing or if you're going to do salicylic acid, which is another over-the-counter uh, option, or the duct tape, you just have to be persistent and make sure that you're attending to it every day.
1: And, and warts are certainly a stubborn, it's stubborn for the dermatologist. Some warts are very hard to get rid of. Skin tags, we can get rid of, and even some primary care, that can be done easily. But at home, sometimes it's, it's hard. The over-the-counters aren't as effective, but they certainly can be tried uh, it's easier. We can do it pretty easily in clinic. The problem with skin tags is it's a fight you sometimes lose. You constantly get these new ones, and they like the skin folds, and and, and there's you get rid of one, and then a year later you get two new ones. But they certainly, when they get irritated and caught in the clothing, uh, getting those removed it certainly can give some relief to some patients. So you can try the freeze uh you, you just want to also be careful you know it's it's a, a lesion that's just a skin tag you don't want to try to remove something that if you're not sh- certain that it could be uh you know a skin cancer or something like that you want to just make sure it looks classic like a skin tag before you try to remove something but good question james um we were talking about this time of year as well we had a, um we have a, an email uh we, we about bug spray and uh it's commonly asked you, what's, the mosquito season's coming around, uh, what are some things we look for, in, for for really protection from the outdoors and camping and the weather to sort of, to protect from bug bites?
5: Yeah, so um, I've noticed this year I've been getting bit more than past years, I'm not sure um, what that's all about, but I've been looking for myself to get some insect repellent, and in my research I found um, that DEET is still proven to be the best thing that you can use. Um, 20% is what you're looking for on the bottle. And that can actually be used safely um, even in um, babies. Uh, I think two months, they said, two months and older is when it's um, safe to be able to use that bug spray. And when applying it, you want to uh, do a light mist all over the body. It doesn't need to be thick. It doesn't need to be kind of running off you in order to be effective. Um, And then something else I I found in my research is even if you leave a dime size of skin um, without spray, you can still be bitten. So just want to be really careful about making sure you get... Everywhere that's exposed, if you can, try to tuck uh, sleeves and, um, you know, uh, legs of the pants into your socks and just basically preventing any exposed skin when you're deep in the woods or in a place that's uh, heavily populated with mosquitoes.
1: All right. That's great. So we're going to go to Philip in Oxford. Again, I'm, the, the phone lines are open. It's one mpb ring That's one i would love to hear your calls. But first, we'll go to Philip in Oxford. You there, Philip? Yes, I am. Thanks for the call. What, what, what what's your question for us today?
0: Well, first of all, thank you. Excellent show this morning. Uh, I'm just wondering. I'm 66 years old, and I've seen an increase in moles. And I'm just wondering if that's uh, age appropriate.
1: That's a, that's a good question, Philip. So so moles. Are, are tough. What some of my patients think are moles as they get older or some other lesions that are not moles. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about this. Are, are these okay. moles, are they rough and raised and brown, or are they smooth?
0: Uh, y- yes, kind of. I've always had a few of them. Um, some of them are rough a little bit, uh, not really raised up, maybe just slightly. I can rub my finger. Um, they've appeared in different places, like maybe one or two on my arms and a few more on my legs. I've always had them all my life, but I just have noticed an increase in the last few years. Yeah.
1: So mol- Typically, we get incre- moles from childhood up to about 20s and 30s and even to our 40s that we get true moles that are made of the pigmented cells. When right. you get to your 50s and 60s, honestly, you don't get as many new moles. We get more commonly these sort of brown spots or what people just call liver spots. Or something called, it's a funny name called seborrheic keratosis. But it's, I try to explain that to patients. But they're, they're lesions that come with age, once you're above 30. And they look like moles and they look like the things they worry about with melanoma. The, they're asymmetric, they have, they're large, they're dark. And sometimes you just need a doctor to look at whether primary care or dermatologist to look that over because you shouldn't okay. be getting new moles at 60 and 70, but you could be getting these benign keratosis, which are totally benign, but you want to be sure. So I do recommend sort of getting a skin check to make sure these are truly moles because those, those aren't common to have been at the 60s. In fact, as we get older, our moles tend to go away, but we tend to get these other things that look like moles that are the good thing about those. They're not cancerous. They're not going to cause cancer, but it's good to be checked out with the skin I'm just to make sure if you think you're having new moles that are popping up that's okay, a good question
0: sounds very good i'll make an appointment with the dermatologist to have it checked out
1: and i think that's a good idea just to make sure everything's safe not cancerous and that everything's on the a-okay
0: okay thank you very much for the answer like i said excellent show i appreciate it
1: all right appreciate your call philip all right. Well, we're again. The phone lines are open at one eight seven seven MPB ring. Uh, we're coming up here to our break. We uh, we'll have to get some calls on the when we return again. Doctor Lauren Craig, Doctor Jeremy Jackson is all about the skin today. Give us a call.
3: is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state in worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. To
4: listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to Southern Remedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. back here on southern
1: remedy i'm dr jeremy jackson for dr rick Deshezo again today we got dr lauren craig our area dermatologist here and we're talking all about the skin we got the phone lines filling up got a lot of questions today about sunscreen which is a big question for and a lot of confusion at times so we hope we, hope we can answer those for y'all today and we're going to start again uh, with willard in greenville and we're going to again give the number 1877 mpb ring give us a call okay is R- willard are you there I'm here. All right. What's the question you have, Willard?
0: Well, my question is this. I am uh, red headed and fair-skinned, and i better off using sunscreen that is a physical blocker with zinc oxide and titanium di- dioxide, or am I better off using a chemical blocker
4: or a mix of the both?
1: That's a good question. So we'll, we'll talk about, cause some people may get confused. Uh, what Dr. Craig, a physical blocker versus chemical blocker, what is, what's the difference there?
5: Yeah, so a physical blocker kind of acts the same way that um, SPF clothing or, you know, being under shade works. It, it provides a barrier to the sun. So the rays won't get through. A chemical blocker um, tries to kind of absorb the rays um, and uh, it's not quite as much of a blockade. So I would say in someone that's fair like you are, a physical blocker would be better Plus, it doesn't have the concerns um, surrounding chemical blockers that some of the par- particles can get absorbed in- into the skin. So um, I think the more that you can do physical blockades, the better.
1: And I prefer physical blocker. The problem used to be the physical blockers would make you look pasty and white and is the, the nose on the lifeguards with the white nose, and they make them now where they, they do so much better in absorbing in the skin. Some have a combination, and it's still good. The key is you want UVA, and UVB protect. You want broad spectrum. You want to block both the UVA rays and the UVB, and the physical blockers do a good job of that. Sometimes they put a little bit of chemical. One of the sunscreens I use does that, but it's okay. But I think the physical would be my preference. Any sunscreen's better than no sunscreen, but I think with your skin type, I think you're doing right with the titanium and zinc. That answer your question, Willard? Uh, yeah, and, I got,
0: uh, yeah, and I got, that brings up another question. Can it go bad? Can sunscreen go bad I've heard of people getting the metal poisoning from old sunscreen, but that may not be
5: correct. So I'm not sure about um, metal poisoning, but sunscreen can expire. There should be an expiration date on the bottle. Um, Basically just means that the sunscreen product won't live up to the SPF that it displays on the bottle anymore. So always best to use one that has not expired.
1: It it doesn't mean it wouldn't give you some protection if it expired, but for them, the standards and what to get approved, they have to put that on there that they know to that date that it'll meet the standards of protection that they claim. So good question, Willard. Uh, The next, we're going to go to Dave in Mobile. Dave uh, from Mobile, are you there with us? I'm right here. All right, what question do you have? A quick question as far
0: as a dermatology physical exam. How long should a, uh, an exam take as far as the dermatologist looking at you to make sure they see everything
1: that needs to be seen? That's a good question, Dave. So if you're talking about a full skin exam, which it sounds like you're doing where you're looking your head to toe, it can vary. Uh, it depends on what your skin type is. Uh, I mean, it's, as, if they're taking too long, it might be you're too interesting with some areas that have some concern. You can do it. In, I mean, some uh, doctors can do a full exam on a very easy skin type. They can do that in five minutes, and that they can be very thorough. Some uh, Some areas, it takes longer. You're looking at the moles a little bit longer because they're a little irregular and that can take 10 to 15 minutes. But it, it varies, there's not a set time, and it usually depends on the patient based on how much sun damage they have and how careful we need to look. But it is good to be gowned up, to be able to look head to toe and make sure uh, you look, from, look at, from the between the toes up to the top inside the hair, would be a good physical exam. But the time is less important than just the thoroughness of it.
0: Okay, so I see my dermatologist every six months Yes. I have a medium fair skin, 73 years old, and his exam will last no more than two or three minutes. And he doesn't do things like, you know, check between the toes and uh, the, the hair, uh, what have you.
1: Yeah. So everybody's different on how their approach. Um, I think that uh certainly uh if somebody's going every 6 months it may not be th- that thorough every visit it might be uh if everything looks good they might can do that space it out some but I do think it varies. There's no standard. There's no uh, everybody's a little bit different, and that's the the art of practice. But certainly if you have any concerns or questions about about that, again, the time doesn't bother me. Uh, uh, it's like I had a friend who was a cardiologist. who They said, uh, if I spend a lot of time on your EKG, that means something wrong. If I look at it for two seconds, that means things are pretty good. So it's it's more just the, having that trust with that doctor that you're getting the the exam you need, and and I think that's a, some questions you can have with them. But, but it's a good question. We're gonna go next oh thanks for the question. We're gonna go next to um we're gonna to go to Meridian, my hometown. We've got Terry and Meridian got you with me Terry I am all right I have what's your question, question
0: a well, um, uh, purple mold it's, I call it a mold I don't know what it is it's got a little bit raised and they've come up over um areas of like my stomach and across my chest and under uh, the soft part of my arm and I don't know what they are. I call it a purple
1: mold. (laughs) Okay. Well, we we have another name, I think for these purple moles. I think we can describe, what does it sound like to you, Dr. Craig? Yeah.
5: So it sounds like what you're describing, maybe something called a cherry angioma, um, which is very common in women. Um, it, it's very common in light skinned individuals in general. Uh, they tend to start coming up when you're in your thirties and we usually get more of them as we get older. Um, Uh basically they are little capillaries that kind of come to the surface of the skin. They're not dangerous. Um, they don't turn into skin cancer. Um, sometimes they'll become more raised over time. They uh-huh. don't tend to bleed even though they are little blood vessels. Uh, if there's ones that are particularly bothersome to you, we do have treatments for them in clinic. Um, oftentimes we'll use a laser that targets the um, pigment in the uh-huh. um vasculature and it kind of makes the capillaries go back down deep into the body and the body reabsorbs them. So if there's ones in particular that are standing out to you that you don't like, um, I would recommend going into your dermatologist and seeing if they can't treat that for you.
1: And there and cherry almost, just look that up mm-hmm. and to see if that looks like it. We sometimes, do, just by hearing it, it sounds like that, a cherry angioma, A-N-G-I-O-M-A, cherry angioma. That's what it sounds like that purple mole is, but just double-check. If it's something changing and changing colors, anything changing, you still want to get it checked out. We don't want to just Wrong. assume it's okay. We're well, right? not
0: growing or changing. I just... It's yeah. weird. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, thanks for the call, Terry. We appreciate <laughs> it. Right. Right. All right. We're going next to Bob and Jackson. Again, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring We got Bob and Jackson. Are you there, Bob? I am here. All right. What's your question?
0: Uh, past year or so, I've been getting these irregular uh, sort of purple marks on my forearm, it's usually within about the same four square inches.
1: What is that? Alright, so they're a regular mark- what uh on the forearms only. Is that what you're saying? Correct. And are they what
0: and only on the left one?
1: Only on the left one. What color are they?
0: Kind of purple.
1: Kind of purple. Purple red, purple, red. not brown. A true sort yeah. of purple red. All right. And
0: they're transient. They'll last maybe a week, two weeks.
1: Okay. Do you mind me asking how old you are, Bob? Sixty three. Sixty three. And I'm asking a couple more questions, it might help. Do you uh do you take any aspirin or blood thinner at all?
0: Uh, I've started uh, maybe three weeks ago. I've started taking uh, ibuprofen for a
4: little arthritis in my ankle.
1: Okay, so a little NSAID, which also can affect the blood vessels. Um, it, it's hard to say. This sounds like something we call uh, solar purpura. Um, mm-hmm. It is. It is when, and it's as we get older. Our skin thins. It, it just happens. And usually that's driven by the sun and it thins, particularly on the arms. And even though it's more on the left arm, the left arm tends to get more sun from that side driver side right. than the right side. And yeah, so right. just the brushing your sheets wrong or bumping the smallest thing can lead to a little bit of those them fragile vessels because of that uh, thinning of the skin. And they sort of leak there and they stay around for weeks or months and then they sort of go away. That's what And it can be a regular shaped, it can be a darker purple or a lighter red. Does that sound what it looks like to you there, there, Bob? That's what it sounds like to me. Sounds reasonable. Yeah, it could be. Now, again, anything that seems to be growing or changing and not transient, transient usually a good thing. Bad things don't go away. Cancers don't go away on their own. So, but, but it sounds like that. Just You can look that up. There was a name for it called senile purpura. And nobody liked the name because everybody got it. Nobody wants to be had senile name, so they call it solar purpura. There's no great treatment. There's a couple of things, Dr. Craig, that uh, people may try some vitamins that might make that go away.
5: Yeah, so um, some over the counter vitamins you could try vitamin C and Rutin. Uh, Those are both things you can get at any drugstore. Uh, I know Amazon.
1: Rutin, mm-hmm. R-U-T-I-N. Yeah, it's R-U-T-I-N. A, it's a type of vitamin that you don't hear as much. But it has it at, like, the, the nutrition centers will have that. Mm-hmm. And some people think it might help cut down on that, is that purpura. Yes, it is. It is. Okay. All right. All right. Great question. All right. We can go to the lines again. Now we're going to go back to Ernest and Jackson. Ernest and Jackson. Are you there, Ernest? Uh, yes, I am. All right. What question do you have for us? Hey, uh,
3: I'm 38 years old, and I haven't used uh, skin moisturizer, like lotion or cocoa butter, in about 10 years, because it overheats my body. Um, what alternatives do I have for uh, skin
1: moisturizers? So, when it says it overheats your body, you just feel like when you're on it, you just feel more heat stays in? Or what uh, do you feel?
3: I, I start sweating like if, As soon as I walk outside, I will start sweating.
1: And you're using uh, cocoa butter, moisturizer with cocoa butter in it?
3: Uh, either that, or Notion or anything that I try, it just starts my my skin gets like real oily, and I just start sweating a lot, even on my legs.
1: Okay, well, moisturizers we tend to like to use ones. To, uh one thing about cocoa butter, it's a good moisturizer, but it also has oils in it that will add to the oils of your natural skin, and that can actually make you sometimes feel like you sweat more and and not be quite as it's maybe a little heavy. So it's hard if, if you want a good moisturizer that's a lotion so there's lotions and there's creams your lotions are going to be a little lighter they're not going to moisturize as well but if your problem is you feel like it's a little heavy on you you want to do a lotion and there you want just a simple with the few just the natural ingredients that are, that will replenish your the natural oils like there's a couple of products one is cerave I mentioned it earlier they make a cream and a lotion CeraVe. And there's another one that's made with like nothing you're allergic to. It's real light and it's called, uh, it's called Vanicream. V-A-N-I-C-R-E-A-M. Get their lotion. They have a light lotion that goes on pretty well and pretty light.
5: And a good quick way to tell the difference between a lotion and a cream when you're shopping, the lotions come in a pump bottle and the creams typically come in a jar that you scoop out. So that's a quick way to distinguish.
1: But but try that. Look for the. You can find it at the drugstore. vanna Cream uh, Light Lotion. It's, and just try. You may have to try a few to see what fits best with you. But the moisturizer is good. And if you're if you're too oily at that time, you may not want to moisturize before you go out. A good time to moisturize is just right after you take your shower. Get it on at that point. It'll sort of lock in the moisture of your shower. And then you don't need to reapply if you're especially if you're out sweating a lot. Okay. But all right. Good question. All right. We're going to go to the phone lines. Uh, we're going to go to Beaumont. Uh, we're going to go to Sue and Beaumont. Are you there, Sue?
0: I, I'd like to ask you a question about uh, sarcoidosis. Well, I, I don't know what it is, but when I take a shower, the back of my hands and my legs and my face around my knees, the skin looks glossy and hard. It, it, what's going on with that?
1: Well, is it is it all the time that way or just after you wash or shower?
0: Well, it's it, it, it's that way most of the time.
1: Okay, and and did did you get told something about sarcoidosis, or you just had read about it? I read
0: about that a long time ago, and I I just remember that because my skin looks like it's it just it's just it, it's very firm and glossy looking.
1: Okay. Well, it's it's hard to say just from over the phone without looking at it. So it sounds like I'd probably recommend you really get that checked out. Probably if you're concerned for a sarcoidosis or something else, a little those are more rare skin disease. You definitely would need to see a dermatologist because of the ability to if they need a skin biopsy to check that out. There are a lot of things that can cause glossiness, even uh, that can be a wide range of diseases. So, if, but if it's real hard and firm, it's something I do think needs to be checked out. Sarcoid is rare. And behind the knees is not a common place to find it.
0: Oh, it's on top of the knees. On I,
1: top of, I can't uh, look behind it. Okay, okay. I think it's something that's that to be checked out. Sarcoid is common in the lungs and in the skin, but it's still a rare disease and would need a skin biopsy to diagnose. So well, I think the would best. What th- that, though? We, we don't really know what causes uh, sarcoidosis. Quite honestly, uh, unfortunately, we don't know what causes a lot of skin diseases, eczema and psoriasis. and But the immune system triggers these rashes and, and different reasons stimulate it, but we're not sure the why. But if you have something like that, the treatment would depend on what the cause, I mean, what the underlying disease was. We treat sarcoid a certain way. We treat lupus a certain way. We treat eczema a certain way. So getting in with a dermatologist who can do a sample of that skin if they need to, and they may be able to look at it and tell you what it is, but they need to see it. And if they're not sure, they'll do a little small procedure called a skin biopsy, which can give them and rule out sarcoid or tell you what it is. But I think it'd be, I advise you to get in there and let, let a dermatologist take a look at it. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks for your call. We have time for one more call. Real quickly, we're going to go to uh, Mike in Louisiana. All right, Mike, are you there? Yes, sir. All right, what's your question? We only have about a minute.
0: Okay, uh, I'm going on a cruise in August, and I've been driving a truck all my life. My arms and my face is the only thing I'm kind of tan. Mm-hmm.
1: The
0: rest of me is fish belly white. <laughs> all right. And uh, what kind of stuff do I need to get to carry with me on that cruise? And I sweat at the drop of a hat, even during the winter time.
1: Okay, so I'm, I'm thinking you're asking me to protect that pot-belly white part and not to turn it darker because I don't. I like it. I like the white part of it. So we're gonna keep you fair. We're gonna keep you sun protected. So uh, there's a few things we can uh, recommend. You know, guys in general don't like to put sunscreen on. We just don't. Right. We, we don't like the greasiness. We don't like the oilness. We sweat heavy. We want something light. So there's a few different uh, even brands we can recommend maybe you can look for and can find. Do you have a few that, Dr. Craig, do you prefer?
5: Yeah, so I really like CeraVe. We've mentioned that brand a few times today. Um, but They make um, a, a whole range of sunscreens, and I just I like it because... Um, it's not quite as, uh, thick and greasy as some of the other product. Um, you also may want to look for something that dispenses, uh, in more of a spray just for easier application. And then if you can, I don't know what your fashion preferences are, but if you wanted to get one of those SPF, um, rash guard shirts, uh, that would really help probably the most.
1: Yeah, the the protect, they makes really nice. Even uh, the local stores have the shirts that all my kids, all we wear the shirt uh, is pretty comfortable. It protects you without having to think when you're on the cruise all day to reapply all day. And they have ones that aren't so heavy and hot. So I would look at places for a good uh, protective shirt. Another thing you can find some sunscreens come in a sheer. Now those typically is s h e e r. It'll be a. It's usually for the face because it's real light. But you could use like a Neutrogena shear for the body as well. It will be a lighter on your body without so heavy and greasy. So... You, sometimes you have to trial and error. You find one and go, I didn't like that one. Uh, there's a product you can find online called Elta MD, E-L-T-A-M-D. It's what we use. It has a sport that can go on the body really nicely, and it doesn't uh, feel heavy at all. But Elta MD has a really nice product line, a little more expensive, but uh, that you can find it online only. You won't find that in the drugstore. But I think getting this shirt would be a big thing if you could just wear that. But finding one of these shears or real light uh, lotions, and and really you want to protect when you go down the cruise near the there the Caribbean, the sun is more intense, and you really want to sun protect while you're down there. Yes, sir. thank you. All, all right. right, thanks, thanks Mike. Well, no. All right, have a good cruise. All right, again, we're uh, at one eight seven seven MPB Ring. This is Southern Remedy at one eight seven MPB Ring. We have a few phone lines open. We'd like to hear from you to talk about the skin.
2: Mississippi Public Broadcasting presents Shape Up and Read, a family fun day, Saturday, June 17th, from 9 till 2 at the Jackson Convention Complex. Enjoy a live Bob the Builder mini-show and meet your favorite PBS and MPV characters. Many hands-on learning activities and resources will be provided. Sign up for this free community event at mpbonline.org slash summerlearning. Made possible by a Ready to Learn grant provided by the U.S. Department of Education to the Corporation for Public Broadcasting.
4: To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. You're listening to Southern Remedy with Dr. Rick DeShazo on MPB Think Radio. We're glad to take your calls at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can always email your comments and questions to Southern Remedy at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Dr. Jeremy
1: Jackson on Southern Remedy, subbing in for Dr. Rick DeShazo, and today we're talking about skin with my guest, Dr. Lauren Craig, and we're going to go to, we have a few phone lines open, so if you can, for the last segment here, call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring You have a, still have time to get in, and we're going to go, we have an email. We have an email from Karen, and Karen asks, what is the best treatment for psoriasis on the scalp? That's a very good question, Karen. Because psoriasis, which uh, psoriasis is a rash that uh, usually is a red, scaly uh, patches, and that that are in, that can be on the scalp. Commonly, can be on the elbows and the knees. But it's really hard when it's just on the scalp because where you have a lot of hair, it's hard to get a treatment in that area. Anything you uh, recommend, Dr. Dr. Craig, for your scalp psoriasis patients?
5: Yeah. So there are a lot of great over-the-counter uh, shampoos that can be helpful to try to get some of that scale to come off, um, one of which is a uh, T-Sal or T-Gel shampoo. I think Neutrogena makes both of those products. Um And then in terms of uh, prescriptions, uh, usually for the scalp, we recommend something called Lidex solution. It's a very strong steroid, um, and it's great for the scalp because the scalp skin is pretty thick. Um, The one challenge with treating scalp psoriasis is, especially if you have thick hair, getting the medicine to where it needs to go, meaning the scalp. So sometimes it's a two-man job. You actually have to have someone help you part the hair and then apply the medicine right along the area that's uh, needed, and it it can be pretty labor-intensive. A lot of patients will trial these medicines and think they're not working but really the issue is that the medicine wasn't able to get where it needs to go so usually I'll recommend to patients just for three days try to really be um, very very attentive and um, try to get that medicine right on the scalp and you know take 20 minutes to put the medicine on if it takes you that long just to see if the medicine will actually uh, work for you before you give up on it.
1: So, so over the counter, the tea sal or the tea gel, really anything that has a salicylic acid, that is the ingredient that sort of takes the scale away. And the t- the tea gel has a little bit of a tar, so something sort of has a smell to it, but it has a tar, and that can get the scale away. But usually, if you have significant psoriasis, you're going to need a prescription. And the hard part is you got to have something that's usually a solution a spray, a foam, something that can get through the hair to the scalp. And you a lot of times have to go through the dermatologist to find that if the the over-the-counter is not working. But it is a stubborn problem that really bothers a lot of my patients. And just have it on the scalp, it can be really tough. So I hope that helps you, Karen. We're going to go back to the phone lines. We have in Mobile, we have John in Mobile. You there, John?
0: Yes, I'm here. Thank you for taking
1: my call. Thanks for calling. What question do you have for us? So,
0: I've had this thing happen, and it only happens in the summertime. And when I take a shower after working out in the yard, let's say, where I've been real sweaty, and then my skin itches like uncontrollably. It's really what I would call severe, Mm -hmm. but it only lasts maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and then it slowly subsides. And I was just wondering, you know, uh, what that could be. I've tried changing my soaps and that kind of thing, and it doesn't seem to
1: help. Yeah. So,. That's a, again, itching is a hard problem to figure out the why. That's the hardest thing. Now, if it's happening when you're outdoors, then that maybe we can figure a trigger there. If it's when you're doing yard work, a lot of times even though you don't get a rash, even just exposures to you know weed eating or grass cutting can sort of cause an itch, especially when you sweat on top of that. I mean, mm-hmm. it, the nerves of itch are all over the skin, so anything yeah. can trigger that. And the hard part is what to get it feel better. Now I'm glad that it only lasts a few minutes. Usually taking a good you know after showering and then getting a good moisturizer on or using that sarna we talked about. It's a good one to put on afterwards to mm-hmm. soothe it. Sometimes people need a little benadryl if it's being driven by an allergic reaction you might need a little benadryl to calm it down but it's finding right. why it's hard to totally know
0: well it's it's odd because it's just after showering like I'm not itching while uh-huh. I'm in the yard. It's just once I take that shower.
1: Yeah, well, sometimes and sometimes the shower releases a histamine. The heat of the shower oh, okay. will actually release sort of, the, maybe they got primed, and then you get a little release mm. when the shower. So obviously, after being in the yard, you want to shower up, but maybe go ahead and getting a, a Benadryl or a, a antihistamine, okay. or even before you go outdoors, since Benadryl can make some people sleepy, take a, an yeah. Allegra or, or a Fexafenadine, which is generic Allegra, okay. or take a Claritin before you go out and do that, and it may cut okay. back after. It's worth a shot, that'll help
4: okay i'll try that thank you so all much All right,
1: thanks for the call john all right, all right. we're going to go next to aberdeen mississippi we're going to go to elizabeth in aberdeen looks like there's a call about bed bugs
0: yes hello
3: yeah
1: you're on the air elizabeth what, what question do you yes. have
3: we've moved here uh we've just moved here back to aberdeen and uh we were military but i can't figure out why we get these bites at night and they get big some get swollen and then they don't last long they'll go away but all I can find in the whole house, I've checked mattresses, there's nothing. I've never heard of bed bugs, but some people said they had them in this town, are just the little black ants.
1: Yeah. What, what, well, what bites are they? tough. Are you noticing them when you wake up, or do you notice them yes. during the day? Okay. Yes. It's hard because if you've been outdoors anywhere around, you can get bites. Are they commonly on your arms, or where are they located?
3: On the hands, on the feet, on on the shoulders. Okay. You know, they get on the feet even on the soles of the feet. Would a bed bug bite the soles of the feet and the palms?
1: They can. That's not their favorite dining place. They like a little bit, uh, little. they do like the extremities, but usually not the hands and feet as much as maybe the legs and arms. Mm-hmm. It's hard. So if you're looking at the seam and checking at night with a flashlight, look along that seam for any blood signs along your mattress seam or any... We've uh, done that. If that looks clear, the problem is bites. It's like everybody comes to us and said, I had a spider bite. Bites look mm-hmm. like bites, and it's hard to know the cause. So you, you look for pets and make sure they don't have any kind of... That They have no fleas and been treated. You look, if you've been outdoors, mosquitoes and and ants, it's just common to have bites. And so the big thing, again, is use if you're outdoors, use an insect uh, repellent sort of with DEET in it before you go out so Mm -hmm. that you can sort of cut back on the exposure and see if that helps. If you're really checking the bedding and doing that, it's a chance it's a bite from something else. Uh, if you do get a little bite, it's certainly a little hydrocortisone can calm it down, a little Benadryl to Benadryl. sort of calm it down. Yeah, yeah, those are good things to do. But finding the cause, you, you sort of have to look through pets, outdoor exposures, and you have done the part for bed bugs. Uh, and usually it sounds like you look pretty good. Usually you can trace them if you see them. So. All right, that's all our calls for today. We are. This is uh, Southern Remedy. is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Catch the replay of today's show this Sunday at 6 a.m. And join us next Wednesday at 11 for the original Southern Remedy, where the doctors are always in. appreciate my guests, Dr. Lauren Craig. I'm Dr. Jeremy Jackson. Stay tuned. NPR's Here and Now is next on MPB Think Radio.